0: And we are back. Yes, we are back. Um sad to say that Luke is not with me today, but I found the best man for the job in his place. Anthony, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, although my, my,
1: my heart's fluttering at this uh US men's national team game that's happening as we're recording this. Uh it's one nothing Costa Rica already, and we're only nine yeah. minutes in. <laughs>
0: for context, anyone listening to this? We was just talking, we said, Oh, when's it kick off? And Anthony goes, Oh, let me just check. And it was 1-0, so we're both keeping our eyes out on it. But it's a very strange situation because last time I was on this pod, I was talking to him and was saying, All right, it's quite a big few games coming up and it's going to make or break this season. And that was seven games ago. And we do apologise for the seven game, no podcast. However, we are undefeated in six. And, yep, everyone knows we're undefeated in six. And the podcast has returned, so I'm putting this disclaimer right now that if you think that the RBMW UK podcast could be a reason why we started playing well, please turn off now and tune in after Sunday, where we would know the result of the NYCFC game. But, Anthony, six games undefeated, maybe not the best performances somewhere in there, but how good is it to be on a bit of a streak at the moment?
1: It's great to be on this streak. Um, You know, the, the one thing that everyone always says about MLS, you, you both want to pull your hair out and want to meditate at the same time because you're never out of it. Um, you know, you being from, from the UK, if you're in 10th place in February, you kind of know you're not, you're not making Europe at all. Although maybe now with the conference league or whatever that thing is, but like the, um, you're in MLS, you're always a really short streak away from being back in that playoff hunt. And which is why it was so weird that Gerhard Struber said what he said right before the streak happened of, you know, they're looking towards next year. It's like, you're not out of it yet. You're not Cincinnati. You're not one of, you're, you're not so bad that you're, you're already eliminated essentially. So this run was great. Um, but it's off the back of an incredible defensive showing from, from this club, you know, no Aaron Long, a makeshift backline. you know, Tom Edwards has been phenomenal in filling in those shoes and, they've only allowed at most one goal over this stretch um unfortunately at sometimes they've only scored one goal but they but you know like that defense is really keeping them in games so you it it's it's good because then you know that hopefully they can get things going the right way on the offense i don't have a lot of faith in that right now but i have a lot of faith in the defense right now to keep them in games and defense is what wins you playoff games
0: I don't know, 100% agree with you. And just looking over the last six results, obviously we beat Inter-Miami 4-0, which was a terrific performance. Drew 1-0 at of the latest goal in MLS history, which was a load of fun staying up that late and then barely staying awake for the penalty. And then obviously went to Yankee Stadium on the baseball pitch and won 1-0. Drew with Philly at 1-0, then beat Cincinnati and Inter-Miami 1-0. So like you said, we're not scoring many goals in the last five games, scored one goal. But sometimes in football, you only need a goal. And it's proved to be the case of late, especially looking at the last two nil wins. Of If I, someone said to me six weeks ago that you'd be going to play Cincinnati and in Inter-Miami no matter what's going on, you're going to win two games 1-0, two clean sheets. I'd say not too sure. Obviously with Amro Tarek departing as well, it's another defender out of the roster and obviously Aaron Nog out for the season, which is never handy. But the players who stepped in, and I've got to say one person in particular, Sean Nealis, especially last week against Inter-Miami, it's really growing on me as a player. i really liked him anyway, but I can really see him maturing into a very good center half in the league. And I think he's one of them players that when Aaron Long does return, it's going to be great to see them both together.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Sean Nealis is one of those guys, you know, I've seen him for years with the USL club, um, was was always going to earn, get a chance to earn his spot on this team. Obviously, Aaron Long's injury – Pushed him for and just Reyes being inconsistent both with injury and in his play has really opened that door for him to step step up um, and he and he's taken it and this is one thing about the New York Red Bulls is when you get your chance if you grab it for the most part they're gonna let you hold on to that role as long as you keep playing well and Neles is is you can't take him out of this lineup right now he needs to play every game specifically right next to Edwards, but um, you know, there he is the rock of this club right now to so the point where you feel very confident that if Long does move on in, in a year or two, that if Neilless stays, there's really a good core building in the back.
0: No, yeah, 100%. And it's like you say, especially with the MLS, and we've seen it hundreds of times in reports <laughs> that a player who doesn't get any chances, and this alludes perfectly onto our next talking point, is that as a certain man, who has started the last two games. His name is Frankie Amaya. Another talking point that we weren't expecting to be talking about, because obviously he was out in the shadows, wasn't playing at all, but it's actually getting game time now. And I do like to see it because I believe everyone deserves a chance in football. All right, there's some players that I won't mention mentioning now, but we've mentioned a lot of times in the past that sometimes don't deserve the chances. But he has been patiently waiting on them sidelines obviously he come in against his former club Cincinnati and I don't know if that was part of Struber's plan to play him against his former team because he kind of knows the insights but it's been good to finally see a bit more Frankie by because I think a lot of fans have been left frustrated obviously big signing beginning of the season and seeing him sitting on them sidelines all the time it's just been frustrating for me I don't know if you feel the same
1: yeah it has been frustrating because the the or at least the way I saw it with Amaya coming in is that you were looking at a guy that was going to take the reins of that attacking midfielder role specifically when Caden Clark leaves. And and with Caden Clark being so young, you figured they were going to split those games for a majority of the year. And what ended up happening was neither of them had been playing in in, in that role. Caden Clark for health reasons and, and form. But Amaya, it was very interesting because when he did play, you saw a lot of good things. But it, it, it's hard to understand... Gerhard Struber's um, tactics. It, it's very English championship tactics, which is create chaos. Um, we don't see the wingers quite as dynamic as we do in the past. And so you're not looking for an attacking midfielder that we're used to in the likes of Sasha Kleschen, who's looking to hold up play, pass the ball out wide, this, things like that. You're looking for something a little bit different. And so I think Amaya's had to adjust to that. And he's done very well um, in, in keeping control in the middle of the chaos and being able to spring players like Klamala in particular um, up front, who's kind of playing more and more as a lone striker these days. Um, so I, I think he does have a really good place in this team moving forward, and hopefully he, he gets that, that start against NYCFC because they're, they're going to need a player like him and his experience in this game.
0: Oh, no, I, I agree and we've, we've mentioned it and everyone, uh, quite a few guests on the podcast was mentioned it this season that obviously with a certain player departing to the Middle East that we was looking for that number 10 to pick the lock of teams, especially at the beginning of the season it was kind of a bit of a show where it was Fabian Kamala up top and we weren't quite sure what was happening. There was no one feeding them in but it seems like now he's found this. I'm going to use the word, everyone, this is the counter, this is first on the show, identity of having one man up front, which <laughs> has obviously changed quite a bit from the Fabio and Kamala partnership. But like you say, Kamala, like touch on Kamala, I think he's come into his own a bit playing up front as a lone striker. He kind of, there's a player who's played in the Premier League, Bundesliga and Italian League. The promise, it reminds me quite a bit of, and I was talking to one of my friends about a Marco Anatovic type of player, that he can either be non-existent in the game, you kind of wonder what he's doing, or he can be absolutely world-class. And I think... These kind of players just find that right minute to tick. And with Clamarla, he can literally do nothing for 106 minutes. And then he'll go and, and like tuck away a penalty or make this one on one run where it'd be a player and pass the ball across. And it's a very good player to have in the team. And obviously, very, very different to Fabio as a striking outlet. And obviously, Fabio's not been playing as much, but he got the two goals against Miami at the beginning of this streak. And obviously, Tom Barlow's still. Being Tom Barlow, and obviously Danny Royer is another one who's been like sitting on the bench, a bit coming off, for, coming on for a few minutes. But Klimala has locked up that stri- striker position now, and at the moment he's got three strikers sitting behind him on the bench.
1: Yeah, and, and he is—he's um, got the attitude of a striker. You know, I, I spoke to him um, after the last game um he still has a lot to work on there's um there's there are moments in the game where you want more from him he should have finished that goal in the second that that shot in the second half that that hit off the crossbar there's way too many of those that happened for him and that have happened for him in the course of this year but you see a confidence growing in him that wasn't there at the start of the year and to his admission he said it's because he didn't have a preseason um he didn't say that he underestimated MLS, but he said in the past that it's harder than the Scottish Premier League, which, whatever that means, um, it's um. So he he he's coming into his own in MLS. Um, it's not an easy league. Um, lots of people have come here and 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 been stricken by how physical it is, and I think that as a, as a striker, he is learning how to get his shots off quicker. He's learning how to be in, in a position where he doesn't take abuse quite so much. And the more he does that, I think next year he is going to eventually produce the amount of goals we want to see right now. He's on eight goals for the season. That's not great. Um, we, you know, we were kind of hoping we were, this team, ever since Bradley Wright Phillips left, this team needs a 15 plus goal scorer. Um, hopefully he can go on a run here and make that happen. But um, at the moment, he is the best option, especially since Fabio is, I don't really know what to make of Fabio anymore. <laughs> um, is he a playmaker? Is he is he supposed to be a goal scorer? I'm not sure. And he's kind of seen himself on the outside looking in.
0: Oh, no, I know, I percent agree. And obviously, I've seen quite a f- few times. We With football, fans are the best in the world because you, when a player is at a club, they say, no good, let's get rid of him. And then as soon as they score for another team, like a certain Brian White, Best striker in the world should never have let him go. Brian White, great power, really like him as person. Happy to see him doing well for someone else. Shame it's not with us, but we move on. Some things might not have happened if everything changes. So good luck to him. But obviously, Brian White's on 10. Who's had MLS experience? So Klimala with eight, like you say, we need more goals. But I wonder if maybe looking at it, if he had the whole season up front by himself, would he have got more? Potentially. But like you say, especially a certain Argentine that played against us last weekend who couldn't stop moaning at Gonzalo Higuain commented himself that the league, people take for granted coming from Europe, they see the MLS and think, oh, it's a retirement league, it's going to be easy. But it's far from that any Days, And it's actually a very competitive league, more competitive than, like Kamala said, the Scottish league, which I'm not trying to upset any of my Scottish friends. It's just, we all know about the Scottish league. But just moving on from... <laughs> the lovely Patrick Kamala and there's a certain player in the team that we everyone has said of times and it's Carlos Coronel in goal and I feel like when I'm watching a game I there's a couple of things I'm certain is going to happen and one of them is at some point Coronel will come up with a big save it's there's a load of skepticism at the beginning from him a lot of people are like shall we keep him shall we get rid of him is he good enough should Ryan Mira be getting a chance in goal but he's a snowball in that goal i I've got to say, obviously, everyone's always going to pair a Goldie to Louis Robles. It's natural that... It's like any football team in Europe, any team in the world, any striker that comes into Arsenal, let's compare him to Thierry Henry. Any winger that comes into Real Madrid, let's compare him to Ronaldo or Barcelona Messi. But players are different. You're never going to emulate the success of a former player. But Coronel has been sensational this season.
1: Yeah, and... uh Especially of late, I think we also have to remember that he didn't have the backline he was supposed to have very early in the season. New coach, new system. Um, he has a lot of MLS experience, so I never really worried about uh, him adjusting to this league. But it it took him a little bit. There were moments where he where he did really let bad goals in. He he wasn't on his game he um but then he would show other moments he was incredibly acrobatic incredibly athletic and you knew it was there now it's all coming together he knows where to put himself and i don't know if this has to do with more game study um getting to know the people in front of him a little bit more a little bit of a different playing style so he's he's become essential i mean he's played every game this season you know so it's he's reliable. He's probably him and Sean Davis are probably the most reliable players in the team at this point. So he, um, he, he's become very quickly uh, the, the replacement for Luis Robles, where we didn't really have that last year with um, the Dutch keeper. And then of course, whatever keeps happening with, um, sorry, Danish keeper, not Dutch, um, but the, I can't remember his name off the top of my head now, but um, uh, Jensen, Jensen. Yes. And, uh, and then of course, um, Mara, who, you know, I mean, we could write a book on what's, what's gone on with, with Ryan Mara, and um, he just, I don't know if he ever really is going to get that, that spot at this point.
0: No, yeah, 100%. And look, any big time, any manager of any level of football always knows that you build a team on the spine of your team and you always look for a goalkeeper, a centre-half, a midfielder and a striker and it's coming clearer now that there's a spine developing in that team where you've got obviously Coronel in goal, Sean Nealis at centre-half, you've got Clemada at top and touching on last point, that is Sean Davis who's been there all season and yes, some people don't like him, some people like him but I think the credit's got to be credit where it's due this season and he's been okay, like everyone, it's not been the best season, so not everyone's had a 10 out of 10 game. It's never going to happen. It's football. People have some poor games, but he's been a very reliable option in there. And like Coronel with the back four in front of him, he's had t- so many different back fours behind him. He's had so many different midfields with him and different strikers in front of him. He's had the cha- team change around him all the time. He's had gone from having a holding midfield and Diara alongside him who got injured straight away to having Tom Edwards next to him, to having Caceres next to him, to having Newwood next to him, to having Tolkien in there. There's been so many different options in there but there's one thing that's always stood the t- like test of time in there and that has been Davis in that midfield and yeah, obviously everyone knows he's not a clash then. He's he's not going to be in the team to do that side of the game. But the leadership he brings, and obviously being a very experienced member of the squad, looking at age alone, because he's a very young squad, he's never was sometimes some people said he was never going to be the leadership type, but he embraces what you want in the player and he goes out every single game, no matter if it's a Tuesday, or Sunday, or Saturday, and gives his all for the team and Sometimes that's all you need in the team and players like him you need because you keep everything ticking over. And you can see him when he puts an arm around a younger player as well. It's just such an asset to have at the club. And I, obviously people out there know, I'm a big Sean Davis fan, have been. But this season alone, he's really been a credit to himself and to the, to the club that that person is wearing the armband and he's actually wearing it with pride in my eyes.
1: Yeah, he totally is. He also, by the way, the United States just tied the game. Um, (laughs) So, so Serginio just just with a banger. But the the thing about Sean Davis is he is the kind of – there are some midfielders that are flashy. There are some midfielders that are bruisers. There's the majority of midfielders that they're doing their job when you don't say their name throughout the entirety of the game. And that is the kind of midfielder that Sean Davis is. So, if you don't say his name through the entirety of the game – He's doing his job. Um, And then he does the leadership role backstage. He is one of the best people to talk to after a game. He's incredibly honest. He will tell you exactly like it is. No sugarcoating it. Um, So it's it's a win win. There hasn't been a captain like him since I would say Dax McCarty um in in his in his level of honesty but also in the fact that he leaves it all out there um I know and that's not a knock on Luis Robles Luis Robles goalkeepers are different than on than than field players so it's um it's really great to see him flourishing um he passed over this course of the uh the six games he passed I think 200 appearances for the New York Red Bulls so he's got a little piece of history now he's um he's quickly becoming one of the guys and I mean hopefully he doesn't leave because it's way too common for captains after year two to just uh, go somewhere else.
0: No, like you say, and um, many congratulations to Sunday Davis for reaching that milestone. But it just, it's a testament to him because when he was obviously coming in to the team, it was a very stacked midfield in front of him. And I feel like he's one of them players who really learns the game of the people he plays with. And now he's passing it on to people around him. But it's like anything, like if he had Aaron on behind him or even a structured midfield with him, like, like you say, but some players in football, and I'm going to lose one person in the Premier League, is Fernandinho for Man City. He's not necessarily the player that you will say, oh, what a brilliant pass, what a brilliant goal. But he keeps the team ticking. And like you say, brilliantly said was, when you don't mention Sean Davis, you know he's had a very good game. And of late, I haven't mentioned him a lot when I've been talking about the game. So it shows you what kind of player he's been. And I think there's been a few other players as well recently who have been very impressed with and obviously all over this streak has started popping up with goals and that's a certain Omir Fernandez. And yeah. I'm a massive fan of Omir Been another one. It was a bit like, frankly, like, would he get his chance? And obviously it was a very complicated situation because there's so many players in that kind of position, but especially certain goals in derby games, which you've got to love to see, but he's really been taking the time on the ball. And it looks like he's progressing as a player because there's been a few instances in the past where you've had players in front of him where you're like, okay, is he going to ever break into the team? But he's taking his chance, which is brilliant to see. But the thing as well is he's putting the ball in the back of the net. And when obviously looking over the streak, he's got joint most, most amount of goals with Kamala on 3 uh, Fabio's got two and guten has got one. So there's not many goal scorers. There's four goal scorers in six games, which is, it's not uncommon, but it's not great. And, when you have a when you have one, of your midfielder is joint top culture in the last six games. It shows you a testament he's actually been doing to his game.
1: Yeah, and you know he's one of those guys that um, really shined on Red Bull too, and he never really got his fair shake on the first team, and and honestly for good reason because you had Royer, you had Volo, um at the time when he was really young and breaking through. Derek Etienne was there as well. Alex Muriel for a long time too. So there, there were always options ahead of him and any minutes that he saw were, you know, closing out a game or something of that nature, but you could see the talent when he would play on Red Bull too, And you knew that if, if he really got that chance, it, it would happen. I say the same thing about right now, about Omar. So I think he is going to be a breakout star in the next few years, but the, but seeing him do this now, he's come full circle and he's got the confidence to be a starter now. And I, I, I honestly don't think we're going to see Danny Royer on this team next year. And I think that he is going to be, Omir Fernandez is going to be one of those guys that takes that that spot and who runs for the next three or four years with the team. Unless, of course, somebody wants to come and like scoop him up and, you know, take him to Europe or to Club America or something, something like that.
0: I do love it. Every time we speak about a player, just getting your hands off warning in there. That's what we love to hear. But no, just like even alluding to Royer, and I think it's obviously... I don't think I've ever met someone who doesn't like Danny Roy. I love him, love him to bits. But obviously, certain players, it gets to a time where they're not playing, they're getting more injuries, and you just can't see him. Obviously, his contract's up at the end of the season. And if it is his time to leave, I I love him to bits. He's been a brilliant servant. But you can tell sometimes when the player's legs are just catching up with him. And it's a shame because he was such a dynamic player when he was full in motion and playing. And a crowd favourite nonetheless. But it's like I say it's the time of you gotta look at for the Red Bulls and look at the team players who have been playing in USL to actually kick through and say, right, you know what? I'm gonna take their position and give them their chance. And when you see people obviously Omi Fernandez has taken his chance and it's brilliant, but it's even like you then you look at John Tolkien, who's been playing as well this season. It's these players that are playing for their positions, which is great, you've got to have people t- like pressuring them all the time. Because if you look at Gootman and Tolkien, there's two great left-back options. Obviously, we're not quite sure what's going to happen Gootman next year. Will we take up an option? We'll be able to buy him, or whatever, because he's been very good this year and wouldn't be surprised if he's playing at Atlanta. I think he's at Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At Atlanta next year. But John Tolkien... I'm gonna I'm gonna do an Anthony here if he's not in Europe if he's not anywhere else would be a lovely asset to keep it. But just going on to these two left backs and I think another talking point this season has obviously been the emergence of John Tolkien, but also Gutman. Both of them have been very playing very well and obviously Gutman's been playing so well that we've been trying Tolkien in different positions, obviously rotating between them. But what two great left backs like we've quite fortunate if you look in the past obviously we've had Kemal lawrence playing at left back who was brilliant but we never really had competition like this at that one spot on the pitch especially at left back that both players have been playing very well this season probably two of the better performers this year
1: yeah and i don't i don't think they expected to get this out of gutman this year i think that they thought that they had um a serviceable secondary option I honestly don't think Tolkien was supposed to be that option either. I think it was supposed to be on the entire way through. And he really hasn't bar, you know, injuries and just level of play. It just hasn't worked out that way. And so now you've got this competition between Gutman and Tolkien. Uh, the the reason why I think Tolkien is going to win out is that um, transfers within MLS, like legitimate transfers, are very rare. Um unless a player is out of contract, quote-unquote, out of contract with the club. Um, so I, I do see Tolkien winning this out, but I think Gutmann's done a – if there is a way to get him and to keep him on this club, I, I definitely think that they should. I think they should, they should make that happen because I think Tolkien is the is the easier sell to Europe for cash, and Gutmann is the more long-term Major League Soccer option.
0: No, I just percent agree with you there. And just talking about John Tolkien and obviously being one of the, and Andy's going to start smiling now, when I mention a certain phrase that the MLS have just released. Oh, and boy. It's the MLS 22 under 22. And obviously, John Tolkien just missed out on the 22. And we're going to try and keep this week. So I think this is a big talking point within the MLS world. And so out of, the, I thought personally, there'd be three in the top 22. And I thought that would be John Tolkien, CCJ and Caden. Which two of out of three I was right, and John told him very unlucky just to miss out in the top twenty-two. Uh, CCJ has been ranked at twentieth, which is debatable, and also Caden at eight, which I think personally eight is it's a tricky one because everyone yeah, knows his ability that he's got, but he has struggled issue with injuries and form, which I was surprised to see him actually ranked as high as eighth, but I think. They're probably looking partly at the end of last season as well, where he was just terrific, and obviously he's a a Bundesliga player, so that probably gets you up a few more up the rankings. But I don't know how you feel on um, obviously Tolkien just missing out on the twenty two, but and then also eighth place in twentieth. I there,
1: there's I this this list <laughs> is I'm just gonna say this this is awful. Um, I don't know, like I look at the list and I see Thiago Andrade. Ahead of Christian Casares, Casares has made more starts. He has more MLS experience. He is a fantastic player that is incredibly underrated in MLS in general. But like, I, I it just doesn't make sense how he's so low on this list. There's some players on here that have barely stepped on the field over the past two years, or, or some guys who are playing in. Or a higher ranked, but all they've ever done is play in like MLS next. Like it's it's just so like I don't understand how these guys are ranked higher. I mean, Christian Casares is is such a phenomenal player, um, but again, he's one of those guys who plays a role that you're not supposed to notice him kind of role. Um, although he's had some banger goals earlier early in the season for the clubs, so or he can play anywhere that they ask him to play. And, and he's still so incredibly young. He's only 21 years old. And so I, I just... I, I don't know what they're looking for in this list. So it's... It seems... To, like Obviously, some things are obvious. Like, you know, Ricardo Pepe. Everyone loves him. Get on the train. You know, it. he is... He is everything that is hyped to be. Although, all that hype and he's being rumored to go to Wolfsburg. I'm like, that's where you're going with that hype. Um, it's... Um, sorry Wolfsburg fans out there um but the uh it's just um it, it's just so amazing to see so many of these young Red Bull players which over the years Red Bulls have produced so many amazing young players we can go if we're just talking Red Bull we can go all the way back to Josie Altador and Michael Bradley and tons of players that have come through the ranks of, of, over the years that have gone on to do amazing things um so this, this list is, um, I'm not going to call it biased, but I'm going to call it very random. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very fair. and See, as I've always said, you know when there's a load of hype around this, like certain MLS players when people in England know who they are and people in England know Ricardo Pepe. So everyone must know that the train has fully left the station and is halfway to its destination, which does look like Germany with half the other good young German players, it seems, at the moment. So he could be coming up against Caden Clark very soon in Germany. Who knows? But like you said, it's a very strange list, and it's a bit of a weird one. It's, I think, very political, obviously, if the MLS Next and everything like that. Like we say, CCJ's had a brilliant season. He's obviously started on fire, went to the Copa America, played very well in, in circumstances that they shouldn't have done as well as they did. Played against Brazil, done very well. Come back, obviously struggle because he played sheer volume of games but like you say if he was a number 10 scorer in every other game and creating assists he'd probably be in the top five and probably being linked to every team on some but because it's that type of player they don't get the credit they deserve but football is football if you're not a flashy person who's going to put the ball in the back of the net no one really cares about you sadly which is unbelievable but it's a crazy world we live in and talking about a crazy world we live in the mls table is a very crazy world because i'm looking at the table now and as of as of recording this in fifth is dc united on 40 points and sixth is NYCFC with 40 points and then in seventh
1: out of the last
0: playoff spot at the moment is montreal with 40 points and then just outside obviously atlanta with 39 and then Old Red Bulls with 37 and obviously with a big game on Sunday, which is actually six o'clock in the afternoon for us in the UK, which is unheard of this year and is live on Sky Sports as well. So everyone can watch it. However, for a certain person called Ronnie Piper decides to have had the NFL book at Tottenham, which finishes at half five. So the one time he actually wanted it to be a late game, it's an early game. So I'll be trying to catch that in some random pub somewhere. But asking a pub in London to put on the MLS is a bigger problem than actually finding a pub. So, moving on to the actual big game this weekend, and who would have thought, Mante, that a win against the old light blue team on the base, like who belong on a baseball pitch, could put us level points of a team in the playoffs?
1: Yeah, it shows you how big of a disappointment NYCFC is this season. I mean, they have no excuse. Um, you know, Red Bull has had just tremendous turnover and players bringing in, trying to work a new system. Ronnie Dyla and NYCFC have had the core for quite some time. And and now they're down so many players. You know, Anton Tinnerholm is out for the foreseeable future. Unfortunately, a um, ruptured Achilles. I believe it's a ruptured Achilles. Um, But I I think I I, I mentioned this on um, the Red Bull discussion group podcast um gary redmond's podcast um when talking about nycfc and how easy it is to shut them down all you have to do is make sure maxi morales doesn't do anything in that game and you're gonna win and that's what they did in both of those games um well except for when maxi did hurt them in the first game and then you know but then but then they shut him down from there and that whole second game he was he, he just wasn't a factor um, so they have to keep doing that same thing. They, they live and die by what Maxi can do for them, uh, and, and they have no real striker options this year. They haven't reinforced themselves. Castellanos is not the striker they thought he would be, and then Eber is, I don't know where he is. They say he's been cleared, but he hasn't played anything, so you know, you're know you stuck with a lot of inconsistent players and a manager who has a lot of talent talent but doesn't know how to get them consistently playing well so they're an incredibly beatable team right now and to to play this game at red bull arena where you can stretch them you can create the chaos a little more i think yeah that this you have to win this game and and become level on points because it's not going to be easy from here there's columbus there's atlanta there's a lot of teams coming up that are going to want to take points from this club and it really, really needs to I mean it's all playoff teams, I think, from this point. I think it's what is it? NYCFC, Columbus, DC, Montreal, Atlanta, and Nashville. It's 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 and like that last Nashville game. I'm talking that up as a loss right now, because that that's at Nashville. And Nashville's been fantastic this year. But the rest of those games, you're looking at them going like if 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 they can get away with a point at least in in most of the wins in most of those games we're looking at a playoff team and the streak continues
0: no no and i think it's exceptional the turnaround from the players and obviously Gerhard as well because everyone was writing everything off i remember doing the big debate show with you and a few other of our good friends and it was a it was a point in the season where we didn't quite know what was happening it was Everyone said it that was the half like it was the hit in the middle of the road and it could have gone one of two ways. It was either going to be a miserable season, we was going to give up on it. It's just going to be play some of the young players, get them some experience and look at next year. However, they then said, We're looking at next season, and then the players thought, No, actually, we're looking at this season. And I think, like you said, in the end of the day, if you want to win anything in the MLS, you've got to beat the best teams anyway. And to carry form into the playoffs doesn't matter. To go in the playoffs, losing seven straight games, doesn't matter. Everyone knows the playoffs is the Wild West. Anything's going to happen. But tying on points with NYCFC after Sunday's game, if we can get the three points, is going to be so good for confidence and morale. But then you look at the teams coming up, and these are top teams. These are not walkovers. And to be playing these teams, and if you can get the points off them, you're taking points off them, taking it away from us anyway. So... These are all big points. It's all six-point games. And when I allude to that, it's like you're going to be playing against teams who are one win away from you or you're one win in front of them. And these are the big games. Like, no disrespect to anyone in the table who's below Red Bulls at the moment or like certain teams that I'm not going to mention here, but already at the playoffs. And I thought that could have been Red Bulls at one point. But you have to beat these at some point. So in the regular season, you might as well do it and get – in the seventh in the playoffs, why not? Like, we've not had the best run of form going in at number one, so who knows number seven? Uh, in the MLS, there's no difference between number seven seed and number one seed going and win everything because the MLS is the MLS. And uh, talking about Sunday's game, like you say, four points out of six from NYCFC. Obviously, NYCFC fans want to bring up a certain penalty at the end of a game and all that, but it's four points from six. And if someone would have gave you before them, say, oh, you get four points against NYCFC, you'd probably say, oh, you win at Red Bull Arena and then you draw at Yankee Stadium. But drawing at home and then going there and win, absolutely fantastic, especially for confidence and morale. And now taking them back to the fortress. I'm going to call it the fortress. I, I can't call it anything, but just natural habit. This is the place where teams always fear. Obviously, it's a bit different for them because they've been renting out the grass for parts of the season. So they try and claim it's some sort of home ground, but it's not. That Viking army, the Empire will they will be bouncing on Southward on Sunday. Guaranteed. They will be doing a brilliant atmosphere and that's sometimes a difference. I remember going to the Derby game before and Southwood was bouncing from hour and a half before kickoff. And I've not witnessed anything like it because I normally just get in my seat in new gay and you, going, you start singing on the first minute. But the players will look at that and be like, right, we know this is a big game. You've got people in the dressing room like Sean Davis, that will be reiterating the point of this is the game. This could be the season in one game because you tie level with NYCFC. At one point, NYCFC was second in the East and Red Bulls were down in 11th in the East. That's a nine position swing and shows you the actual credit that the players do deserve in this part of the season. And, I'm trying. I I feel like I'm going and doing a war talk here, trying to get the players up. But we don't need to do that. Everyone knows them players will be up for it. And certain things haven't gone the way this season, but a lot of things can be overlooked if the team can get a few more results this season. I think Struber, no, there's no no denying. No one's denying it at all that Struber was not. He was under pressure. He was simply under pressure at some points, and it's even a testament to him that he's kept going and. He's put this team in a position where he can actually, actually try and achieve the goals that were set out before the season and what ended up saying, all right, let's do a dodgy talk at half-time on live on TV and say, actually, you know what, we're real building. No, we're not listening to that. The plans are not listening to that. And if this team is pushing for a playoff spot now, and that's with very, like injured players all season, no sort of, fluidity in the team, it's always stop, start, stop, start. What can this team actually do if they get a proper team together next season in terms of all the players that fit all season? Hopefully some of the loneys stay because there's been great loney. Look at Gootman, fantastic. Tom Edwards has been an absolute brilliant serving this year. Obviously Fabio is a bit up in the air at the moment. We're not quite sure what's going to happen. Caden Clark, will he stay or will he go? Coronel, same. like There's a lot of question marks on this team and I think players are also playing as well for their future at the moment. It's because you look at certain players in the team and you're like, I'm not sure, like, obviously Tom Barlow, for example, we talk about, is these players are now going to have to prove, not just to themselves, not just to the management, but also to the fans that they want to be at the club fighting for the positions. And I don't know if you agree with me, Andy, that this next three to four weeks is going to be massive, not just for where the team finishes, Mm -hmm. but... If players are at the Rebels next year or somewhere else,
1: yeah, they're they're playing for their playoff hopes. They're also some of them are playing for a spot permanently on this club, um, and that that's the amazing situation that Kevin Thelwell has put together in this team. Is um, he's used that loan ability to bring in really good talent and kind of pressure them and, and, and tell the coach to pressure them at certain times. Um, it's also just such a great motivator to know that you can sink your rivals um, and potentially put their playoff hopes in jeopardy this weekend. So there's, there's so much going into this that makes it the biggest game of the year for the Red Bulls, for NYCFC. And finally, this rivalry has one of those big playoff implications games, which in years past, I don't think we've ever had. It's always been a case of they're either both in the playoffs or NYCFC in their first year is just so bad that they're not going to be a part of it. Um, so this, this, is, this is really going to make it really, hopefully make this rivalry that kind of a big game.
0: Oh, no, 100%. And it's not just teams. We're looking at the other teams as well who are very viable options. And just looking at between 5th and ninth, obviously DC, no one likes them montreal and atlanta these are very good teams it's not some of these teams are in there on win these are very good sides and you're looking at teams there who've always been challenging right at the top and there's not a change of guard in the east at the moment but it is a much more solid league whereas there's not as many teams sometimes you look at the mls and three or four teams in the east you would be like, up everyone's going to beat that this year it's a very strong conference and We're looking at it. Same West is... I'm not going to get started on the West because we could talk about the West for ages, but these teams are all big teams. It's not a case of oh, someone's out there just having a brilliant season and they're getting carried away. These are top teams who big game teams as well. Apart from mi 60 they're still new boys, but they've had the playoff experience. So they're, they're classed as a team that should have been doing better this year. When they were second, they were the only one everyone thought could chase the top, but it the way. Rebels have gone up, gone up. It's this time is like you say, biggest game of the season at home as well. That yeah. is such a good thing as well. Rather than been going back to Yankee Stadium or going wherever in the country they're going to play their game, because who knows what was going to happen, especially if they couldn't if it weren't at RBA. But this game is at Rebel Arena, and one thing I love what Rebels always do. A free T-shirt giveaway, the New Yorkers red tops should get the whole place colorful as well. I'm hoping, I'm just really hoping it's a good turnout. But I don't know. You might be able to like this. I don't know actually what it's like at 1 o'clock over in your time, what attendances are normally like. Well, 1 o'clock on a Sunday is a bad time.
1: That's NFL kickoff. That's it's, mm. it's, it's, There's never going to be a good time for MLS. So it, it's really, they're at the mercy of what time is best for whatever TV provider. So it's going to be what it is essentially like without, you know, so maybe it'll be a good turnout. Maybe I won't. I mean, I'm, I look, the, the giants are going to be playing at giant stadium at the exact same time. I'm not giant Stadium I met life stadium at the exact same time. So, you know, I, 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 I don't want to tell someone the building's going to be empty but, you know, Red Bull fans were used to this at this point. It is it is what it is. So, you know, you come out, you support the team. If you can't make it there, watch it on TV. Um, but that's just kind of the way the cookie crumbles for this team. And there's no other real option for it. This is this is the best way for the team to play their games. And that's just going to be what it is.
0: Yeah, and I think as a Giants fan myself, I would actually suggest anyone who would be thinking about going New York Giants versus the LA Rams turn around and head to Harrison. Don't bother going to that one because... They're going to get stopped. Yeah. yeah as I'm going to say, I witnessed the Dallas game. And, uh, well, I was at the London games where the Jets got beaten as well. So I'm used to seeing New York football teams lose at the moment. So, yeah, it's not the greatest. But we could talk talking about Giants. We could That is a whole f- different subject. And I think sometimes when you look at Red Bulls and everyone says about the chaos... There's a similar thing going over there, and the just saying the Jets team that I see at Tottenham. Oh, that was saying, else I've not oh, seen you want to know, re-
1: you want to know real chaos, just uh, follow the Brooklyn Nets the past week.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, so uh, Mr. Kyrie Irving, um, yes, well, uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> It's another crazy topic. It just seems like there's always something to talk about with New York sports. And I think that's why everyone loves it so much. But going back to the Red Bulls game, and like we say, there might not be a big turnout, but we know that the people who will be there are the ones that go all the time. And sometimes with football especially in the UK, a lot of people say the same thing. It's you have a core supporters who will be there no matter what game it is, what time it is, no matter what. Then you got the pit Some people will go when there's nothing else on. Then you just get the people go along because there's such going on. And I think obviously that's the main difference. Like in London, you'll get 20,000 tourists, no problem. And obviously with Red Bull Arena being slightly in New Jersey and it's MLS and people see NFL, they'll be oh, let's go. Let's go and watch some NFL. But the people who will be in that ground Sunday guaranteed will be making the noise that everyone wants to hear. And that's all you need. You don't sometimes need... 20,000 people for it to be a great atmosphere. I can guarantee you the boys and girls on South Walls will be making a very big noise and making it a hostile atmosphere yet again and all I hope is being good voices the whole game and their twist and shout will be blaring out more than once for change and we're not just kept with another I'm not saying it now, I'll take a 1-0 I will snatch a 1-0, I'll run to to the hills. I'll be very happy with a 1-0 but it's a game that you a statement victory would be so nice to see.
1: Yeah, you get the same points for one nothing as you do seven nothing. So let's just, you know, let's just make sure that they win the game.
0: I do like the reference to seven nothing. That's always welcome on the show. We should have another counter for that over the season. But I think if we if I had to a pound for every time or i say a dollar for every time someone said seven nil this season on this podcast, I would be very rich and I'd probably be able to fall the flight over to watch the Red Bulls when lovely country allows us to go over because certain presidents of the United States has opened up the travel yeah. corridor. So I think it's on for next year, sadly not this year, but I will be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put in concrete just yet, but a high chance that RBNY UK will be in the presence of Harrison next year, or even a road trip game, which is going to be planned at some sort, but it's great to, great to be looking forward to a games again because there was quite a few occasions where we'd be on this podcast and we kind of dragging it on a bit because we was like right what we're gonna talk about it's all hmm, doom and gloom but it's actually i'm actually i don't know how you feel about it, but i'm actually looking forward to watching red Bull games again which is actually a brilliant thing to say and it actually just puts a smile on my face saying it
1: yeah i mean they, they were borderline um skippable for we were getting to the point where you didn't need to watch because the season was over, especially when Struber said they were looking towards next year. Like if, if you say that to a fan base, why should I tune in from that point forward? I mean, you told me that it's about next year, so I'll come back next year. But obviously that's not been the case and they are working towards get making continuing that playoff push. So that's what we want to watch. And now it looks very possible. So we want to be there for the ride.
0: No, hundred percent, and like you say, can't wait to watch it. I will, I, I will update everyone on Sunday where I found watch it after the uh, Miami Dolphins Jacksonville Jaguars game in London. But I will, I'm oh. determined. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. What do, do old watch...
1: fans think about that?
0: Well, as I'm. <laughs> Obviously, everyone knows my allegiances lie a bit further down the road than Tottenham. So, and obviously, Jaguars should be playing at Wembley, but a certain NFL deal says they have to play two games at Tottenham. So, I feel sorry for the traveling teams who miss out on thirty thousand extra tickets. So, but as as we can say, the first game was the Falcons Jets. So, not blessed with the best footballing teams this year, we can put it that way. But I've spoke to a few. Uh, Fulham fans on it, and they obviously said don't really want to be sitting in a Tottenham stadium. But I think I could say the same. And my mate, who I go with, is a West Ham fan who doesn't really want to be in the Tottenham stadium either. But then the funniest story I think, and not many people know this, it won the against. So Harry Kane, obviously everyone knows, England captain, Tottenham captain, who's actually an ambassador for the NFL over in the UK, which is all. Don't get me started on that one. (laughs) My favourite moment from NFL history is actually he was brought out. He said, oh, uh, I think he was doing Cointos or something or other. And I think 99% of the crowd booed him a couple of years ago. So I don't actually think Tottenham fans even go to it. And I think he was actually upset from that day. And I think that was probably the day he actually decided he wanted to leave Tottenham. But I'm not getting into an Arsenal Tottenham debate on this because I'm leaving that aside. And if anyone wants an Arsenal special edition of the podcast, that will last for seven hours, so it's probably too long. But no, I think, um, yeah, it'd be a good game to watch. And obviously for us, it's on Sky Sports at six o'clock. So prime time, so to speak, for us over here in terms of the games have just finished. Uh, we have In our time, it's half, uh, two o'clock and half four. So actually people might... Accidentally, I'm thinking people accidentally leave the telly on after the Premier League fixtures and actually see MLS football, which might be quite nice. Um, It depends on whether or
1: not they're. uh, It depends on whether or not they have to watch a Crystal Palace game or not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they've they've realised when they're cooking their Sunday roast that they've left the MLS on and they're actually like, I'll just turn the telly off and then at that time, hopefully, Rebels will win. But. I said, it's nice to have it on Sky Sports because of late it's been on Premier Sports which is a paid subscription service for us even though Sky Sports is but it's more accessible especially in pubs so if any people out there in the UK are actually going to watch it let us know and let me see where you're watching it because I'm going to try and find a bar a club anything where I can get my hands on the Sky Box even though like you said it is NFL kickoff time and everywhere I go in will have Red Zone on So I'm going to try and convince a pub full of NFL supporters to put on the MLS. So wish me luck on that one because I'm not watching the Giants versus the Rams. I might have it on my phone, but I do want to watch the New York Tarpy a lot more than Stan Kroenke's LA Rams going to MetLife and tearing it up. Um, But no, I think the dreaded word of score prediction has just been mentioned. There's a little siren going off in the background. It's that time again. I, I've been awful this season. I think I've got one right, so it's not an easy one to call. out. I'll give you some more time on this. I'm actually going to go first for the first time in podcast history, and six games unbeaten, home tie, New York Derby. So it's going to be a close one. I'm going to say we just see it out two-one. I think, I think I feel a nice two-one victory coming. I don't. It's going to be a typical Red Bulls game. It's going to be very tight. Actually, no, I'm going to say go 2-0 up Then they're going to pick one back in like the 80th minute and then we're all going to be sitting on the edge of our seats and not looking at the game but just going to win it 2-1 is my prediction.
1: I'm going to say this one's going to be 2 nothing. I think they're going to get one early then they're going to force a late mistake with a, a lot of sweating and a lot of worry all the way through and maybe get one in, the, in a little after the 80th minute to put this one away. So I'm saying 2-0, Red Bull over NYCFC.
0: Right. So there's two. I think it might be first time in podcast history. It's two wins out of two. So at the end of the day, we all can't wait for this game. It's going to be a brilliant game to watch. Um, Well, we hope it's going to be a brilliant game to watch. But it's actually been a pleasure to be back on the podcast. It's been, been quite a while, but I can guarantee you that the, I'm going to call it mid-winter-summer mid break has now expired. Yeah. I think we're all rejuvenized a bit. I've uh, wept away the cobwebs. I've watched the Giants lose a lot. I've watched Arsenal actually win since the last podcast, which was great. We hadn't won up until that. Now we're probably losing again because I'm back on the podcast. But it's been great, Anthony. And thank you very much for coming on again. You know you're always more than welcome to join us here
1: absolutely any time and enjoy watching arsenal in the um uefa conference league
0: <laughs> um, i'll take any sort of Europe. any type of europe is fine by me at this rate any just a little trip even though traveling's not been great at the moment even if we were playing in Azerbaijan, i'll take it at this moment in time but as i as i say to many people it's still better than having to travel to la for an away game in the mls so it's it's crazy two separate worlds that european football is you can get an away game in europe in on, on the main continent and it's shorter than an away game in the mls but that's the crazy world the mls is and actually how small europe is in all sorts of facts but no it's been absolutely fantastic um It's a Derby game. We will be giving a load of build-up. There will be a couple of articles going up on our website this week. It's all getting rebooted in time for the big game on Sunday, which is live at 6 o'clock for all you folks in Britain, obviously 1 o'clock for you in America. So early one. Make sure everyone's fueled up on their breakfast because it's going to be a very early start for you. And hopefully it's going to be a very good Sunday afternoon for everyone, apart from your Giants fans, because we're probably going to lose again. But from me at RPMY UK and from Anthony, thank you very much for joining us on this episode. This is episode seventeen and episode eighteen will be shortly following next Friday at the same time on the same places. But until then, go on your rebels.